Praise the Lord. So many good things happening here at the church. And I want to reiterate what Pastor Cody said. It is because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to do all, you know, so many of these extra things. Um, and we appreciate that so much. We don't take it lightly at all. Well, uh, it is Mother's Day and I'm not preaching today, but it's my privilege to introduce our speaker. And it's someone that I know very well. And I can comfortably and, and confidently say uh, she has one of the purest hearts of anyone that I know. And a beautiful spirit. She's beautiful inside and outside. And she is my wife. And she is phenomenal. Let me, before I go, just lose it completely, let me read this scripture. And this is describing perfectly our speaker. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? This is Proverbs 31. She is more precious than rubies. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. She's up at five in the morning every day. Her children stand and bless her. I'm just kidding. You don't have to stand. And her husband praises her, and I certainly do, and I should more often. Amen, men? We should definitely. This is not my gifting, and it's not an excuse. Words of affirmation and doing this on a regular basis, I need to do it more and be more intentional. It's not natural to me, but it doesn't mean she doesn't deserve it more. It's my privilege to have our speaker come this morning, my wife, Kathy, the first lady here at, at the church. Would you give it up for Kathy as she comes? Um, I said that earlier today, this morning, the first service, I said, I was sitting over there and he was reading and saying some of those words and I got a little teary. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that is so sweet. And then as he was doing it just now, both of the girls were like, oh, oh, (laughs) it is very sweet and very precious and special to hear those wonderful words. Well, definitely happy Mother's Day. I am so excited and so honored to be here today and to be speaking today. I get to do this once a year. (laughs) And y'all, when you leave, it's okay if you say, thank you, Lord. No, it's, it, it'll be good. We had a great time in the first service. I do believe this is a good word. I believe it is from the Lord. And I hope, my prayer is, that it will touch you and touch your heart and um, that you'll leave here a little bit encouraged and a little bit challenged um, today. So um, I do want to talk today about great expectations. And when I wrote this several months ago, I knew that title... Some of you would think of the book, Great Expectations, which was written by Charles Dickens in the mid-19th century. It is a classic novel. Now, I'm going to be really honest and confess, I have not read this book. But I did read the Cliff Notes. (laughs) And I did, I'm sorry, and I did go back and look up to make sure that the title would in some way reflect what I have to tell you today. And it actually does. So I wanted to share a little bit about that with you. But the story is about a young boy named Pip, or it starts off as a young boy named Pip. And Pip was an orphan. He was raised by his sister in very poor circumstances. But his ambition in life, his greatest expectation in life was to grow up, become very wealthy, a man of stature, so that he could marry his childhood friend, Estella, who lived down the street from him. 
And as you read the story, you go along with Pip through many adventures. And through each of these adventures, we see how he places these expectations on the people around him and the circumstances in his life. And a lot of the time, most of the time, he's, um, these expectations become very unmet. Like it, they disappoint him greatly because it doesn't quite live up to what he expected. And the greatest and ultimate disappointment of all was once he did get to that place where he was wealthy and he was a man of stature, um, he finds out that Estella has married another man. I mean, yes, another man. I almost messed that up, said another woman. (laughs) Y'all need to pray for me right now. (laughs) Estella does marry another man. He's greatly disappointed. So like Pip, we all go through life with expectations that are often unmet. And these unmet expectations can leave us feeling disillusioned and disappointed in ourselves, in others, and in God. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and I am so thankful, and I'm just in awe of you that I have this opportunity, and Lord, I don't take it lightly. So I pray today, God, that you will use me in a mighty way. Let my words be your words. Open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, Lord, that you get all the glory from this message today. I love you. I thank you. I bless this congregation, and I bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodness, I've got something in my throat here, but we're good. Okay, so you know that thing that you really want to do, but you don't do, or the thing that you really don't want to do, but somehow you still eat the fries anyway, or the tater tots. Um, Yeah, uh, that's those things, those expectations that you place on yourself sometimes, those unmet expectations about ourselves are often how we get shame and guilt. That's how they take root. Um, I know none of y'all have ever done this, but just me, because I'm just weird like this. But have you ever said anything like, I will never be like that parent? My child will never do that, especially not in Walmart. And if they do, right, you know what you're going to do. Well, surely I haven't said that. Only when I was 19 or 20, and I'm in school, and I'm taking all these wonderful psychology classes and child development and behavioral studies classes, and I'm 19 and 20 and 21, and I know everything, right? I said some really dumb things about being a parent. As a matter of fact, I once told my dad, and I know he remembers this, because I think he, well, I'll tell you how he responded in a minute, but I once told my dad, I looked at him, I said, I will never spank my children. I think he went, really? Okay. (laughs) Uh, And then 10 minutes into being an actual parent. Now, let me clarify, because a lot of you do not know, but the the first experience for me as a parent was taking in a 12-year-old boy. So while 10 minutes into being his actual parent, I maybe didn't spank him, I was truly having visions of pinching his head off his shoulders. None of y'all have ever done that, right? Um, When I found out I was pregnant the first time, so Ashley's 21. She is in Israel today taking pictures and video of the Dead Sea. Let's all be a little jealous. Aww. Um, Having a great adventure herself. But um, 
when I was pregnant, found out with, when I, that I was pregnant with Ashley, the first thing I started doing was thinking about all these things I was going to do in this pregnancy, right? Like I was going to eat all organic. <laughs> and only so many calories a day. And no sweet tea because that caffeine will kill you or hurt the baby anyway, right? Um, no tuna, of course. Nobody does tuna, right? <clears throat> I had all of that all planned out. Of course, you can't control the corn dogs and the tater tots, strawberry shortcake cravings. And I mean, a craving is a craving, right? Or how about the, the things you say you're going to do when the baby is born, like um, natural labor? I said that. Natural labor. Go ahead and laugh. That's funny. Um, yes, I bow at the feet of all you ladies who actually did that. <laughs> or how about when you say, oh, I'm taking a picture for every milestone, and I'm going to put it in a book, and I'm going to write it down, right? I said all of that. I had great intentions, but I failed at all of that. <clears throat> and each time that I didn't live up to that expectation that I'd placed on myself, I truly felt like a failure. My expectations of myself, like to nurse until they were two, blew up in a cloud of infamy. (laughs) The shame of not being the mom I wanted to be negatively impacted my most important relationships. But here's the deal. Jesus carried our shame to the cross. In Romans 8.34, we read that who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And then in Galatians 5.1, we read that so Christ has truly set us free. Mamas, there's no shame here, right? There is no shame. So think about this for just a minute. If we did everything right and perfect as a mother, how would our children ever learn their need for a Savior? Who would they lean to to save them? Their moms and their dads, right? They need a Savior, and they need to know that they need a Savior. In my weaknesses, He is made strong. Now, I'm not saying we should make mistakes on purpose. That would be crazy. Um, I'm not even saying that we should make life really hard for our children, right? But we do have the tendency sometimes to make them way too comfortable out of fear that we might make a mistake. Y'all follow me? Um, We often place expectations on ourselves that are based in fear of not measuring up to the standards of this world. But the truth is, let's look at Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then in 1 Peter 2, 11, it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners 
to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Now, I want you to look closely. It says temporary residents and foreigners. This life is temporary, right? And while we're here, our primary responsibility is to bring glory to the Father. But oftentimes what we do is we begin to compare ourselves, Or we look to the world for the standards, just as Pastor Allen was saying earlier today. But comparison is dangerous. And our true only responsibility is to train up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. To teach them that He is our source of all things good and holy. And that He alone is worthy of our worship. Everything else is left up to the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to do that, we have to surrender our own desires and expectations to Him alone. So listen up, Mom. You need to relax. It probably doesn't look the way you expected it to, but that does not make you a failure. Now, oftentimes we place expectations on others, and we can get in a lot of trouble with this too. Because offenses are the result of unmet expectations of others. Now, I'm about to say a big mouthful, but hang with me. So when we place unrealistic expectations on our family, including our spouse, we will be disappointed. Disappointment can lead to offenses, and the enemy will use our offenses to create division and strife. Now, I know that it's hard to be offended by a little infant, right? They're, they're born and they're beautiful and they're so precious and they sit up and they curl up on your... Y'all, that's major therapy for me. But anyway, they curl up. But then they spit up on you 12 times and you're changing four shirts, right? Shouldn't be offended, but I think we get offended sometimes. Or how about when they keep us up all night crying, yeah? So I was holding... Um, I was talking to Tony the other day, Tony Roby, and she was... Abigail was a little bit fussy, and I just told her, I said, you know, I remember a time right after Ashley was born, she was fussy, and she kept crying for hours and hours and hours, and y'all, I was about to lose my mind, right? So I'm bouncing her, come on, Ashley, it's okay, baby. You know, you're saying all the things the mama should say, and I got a little harder on the bounce because she wouldn't stop, and a little harder until I'm doing this. you got to stop crying, you know. Now, y'all act like y'all hadn't done that. You know you have. So while we don't get offended, sometimes we act offended, don't we? Um, and I also remember a time, or, or let me say this. It's hard to be offended by a toddler until they do throw a temper tantrum in, in Walmart, right? It's hard to be offended by a little elementary student unless you teach fourth grade like me, and then you get offended on almost a daily basis. Because <laughs> you've always got that one student who thinks they know more than you do. What's really scary is sometimes they do. (laughs) Anyway, so it's hard to be offended by the little guys, but then they become teenagers. Come on now. I think from infant to teenager is God's way of just letting you love on them. You know, you just kind of love them so that when they become teenagers, you don't literally kill them. Because at about 13 or so, something possesses their bodies. And like you're going, who is this person? 
I've been offended by my girls from time to time. I have one, y'all. I'm still talking about it, so I must be offended by it still. <laughs> Trying real hard to get over it. But, and I'm not going to say names today, other than, you know, I've told you about Ashley, but I'm not going to say names today. <laughs> but I have one who wanted this thing called a Dutch braid. Anybody ever done a Dutch braid? Listen, I can French braid all day long. Like, you, you sit down, we'll French braid. Not that I enjoy it. I, usually they'll say, will you French braid my hair? I'm like, please, I don't want to. But I can French braid all day long. But this Dutch braid is something else. I still, to this day, cannot do a Dutch braid. I pulled out YouTube videos. I read the instructions. I tried my best to go under instead of over, whatever that means. And I could not get this Dutch braid right. And she was trying to get ready for a dance. And we were running late because, you know, girls run late. Had to get to some pictures. And she was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. Could not get this Dutch braid. And finally she goes, are you, how could you just be so dumb? (laughs) We laugh now. I have another one. (laughs) I have another one that loves to use me as an emotional punching bag when she's feeling a little hormonal. (laughs) It doesn't matter what I say to this child. Oh, you look gorgeous today, baby. And the eye roll will go back into the head. And who knows? I'm just like, oh, so sorry I spoke to you. I'll just go over here. (laughs) Thank you. But when our people... Our people don't live up to our expectations. We often get offended, don't we? Um, But I'm telling you that that is not the example of Jesus. We read in John 13, 1 through 5 and 21 through 27 that Jesus knew Judas would betray him and yet he ate the Passover meal with him and, get this, he washed his feet. Did y'all know that washing someone's feet is the ultimate example of forgiveness and servant leadership? See, Jesus forgave Judas before the actual act of betrayal. Now, can we be heartbroken by these offenses or these unmet expectations? Absolutely. Can we feel the weight of that disappointment? You bet we can feel that weight. And sometimes when we're disappointed or the the expectations aren't met, sometimes we go behind and we try to manipulate and we try to fix and we try to change or we try to encourage a new direction, right? But when we do those things, what's happening in reality is we're robbing our children, we're robbing our loved ones of their own journey. So what do we do with that? If we allow those unmet expectations to become an offense, then we give the enemy or Satan a foothold that he doesn't deserve. So how do we combat that? Through forgiveness, right? Forgiveness breaks the bondage placed on us when we allow these offenses. The truth is, hurting people hurt people. And sometimes our people are just hurting people. Jesus said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Most people don't realize the impact that they will have on others, not with their actions or with their words. So really, 
what should our perspective be? Well, it should be Ephesians 6.12, which says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, people are not our enemy. They're just people. And forgiveness, while it may not be easy, it's our only course of action to overcome an offense and to receive healing. Now, we can also be offended, and I hate to say this, but we can get offended by God. When God doesn't meet our expectations, we question his love, his care, and his plan for us. Now, my small group this semester did a study um, by Lisa Turkhurst called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. It's a great book. Um, As we went through the book, we realized that we all related to a lot of what she had to say um, in a lot of ways. It was very um, helpful and eye-opening, I think. So I wanted to use some of her information in this portion of, of the message today because what she had to say I thought was just so good. But one thing she says from her book on pages 23 and 24, she says, I don't want to control God until I do. When his timing seems questionable, his lack of intervention seem hurtful, and his promises seem doubtful, I get afraid. I get confused. And left alone with those feelings, I can't help but feel disappointed that God isn't doing what I assume a good God should do. For those of us who have accepted Christ, and and especially if you've lived this life um, for a little while, you know that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want. He's not always as timely as we would like for him to be, right? He doesn't always do it the way we think that he should do it. And when I read this, it really hit home for me because I've definitely been there. Um, But when we have those thoughts, when we see it like that, when we assume that we know what God should do, what that leads to is the most dangerous assumption of all, that I could surely do all of this better than God. That's scary. If I'm honest, though, I've experienced these feelings. I've attempted to manipulate and fix difficult and painful situations in my life more than I care to admit sometimes. But that's not God's perfect will for me or for you. Um, The truth is, I can't begin to know how God plans to use my life, the good parts, the bad parts, or even the ugly parts. See, this life, it's not about me. It's about him and his kingdom. And I may not see how he uses my story this side of heaven. And that, well, that has to be okay for all of us because it's not about me. Now, there are three things that Lisa points out that I think are so good. And I'm just going to give you the scripture reference so you can go back and look those up later. But um, three things for us to remember when we're in a difficult time or in a trial. Number one, God longs to help me. And you can read that in Psalm 40, 1 through 2 in Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Number two, God longs to transform me. 
which is in Romans 8.29, Philippians 1.6, and Philippians 2.13. And number three, God loves me, which is Romans 5, 7 through 8, James 1, 2 through 4, and Psalm 62, 8. Now I want to go back and I want to say those three things one more time. So number one, God longs to help me. Number two, God longs to transform me. And number three, and this is the big one that I hope everybody gets, God loves me and he loves you. So our disappointment in God comes down to our lack of trust or faith in him. And the deal is our faith is the cornerstone of everything else that we believe. And it will ultimately be the activation that brings about peace and peace that passes understanding. It's our faith in a good God, our faith, in a father that desperately wants us to surrender and believe in his divinity. But when we believe with everything in us that he knows best, he loves the most, and he is in charge of everything, then all of those principles about faith, healing, deliverance, and taking authority can be activated in our life. But until we surrender to that until we walk in that faith, until we remember every day that we rest in the palm of his hand and that no matter what's going on around us, he is still good and he still loves us, we're going to have the tendency to be offended when he doesn't do what we want him to do. Now, I'm not saying today that you shouldn't set expectations. And because it's Mother's Day, moms, our children need expectations, right? And we need to set them high. But you can't set an expectation without telling them what it is. Yes? You can set it all day long, but if you don't communicate it, they don't live up to it. That's on you. That's not on your child, right? Uh, Not to get in anybody's business. That was really more for me. I kind of messed all that up this week because I had an expectation for Alan to do something for me but didn't tell him. I just, you know, 23 years of marriage, you just sort of expect he knows what it's going to be. And when he didn't live up to it this week, see, you get, you know, you get challenged on your messages when you got a message. I was mad for hours. I got a little offended. I had to let it go. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But our ultimate expectation for our children should be that they have a relationship with Jesus that stands the test of time. It is our greatest expectation. For me, for my kids, all I want is that they have an authentic, real encounter with the Holy God. Because I know if they do that, that it will stand the test of time. Now, I also understand that when, the, when our children don't live up to that expectation, it is a heavy burden that we, especially as moms, have to bear. 
Um, and this burden can be very heavy and very hard, and sometimes it lasts for a long time, and we can't really see the light at the end of that tunnel. And so what I would say to you about that today is to keep fighting for that child. Keep praying on your knees. Keep getting in your closet or when you're driving in your car or standing in your shower. I used to lay out on my driveway and just cry out to the Lord. Wherever you go to be with the Lord, keep fighting for them. But you've got to remember that we still have to surrender even that burden. Because when we take that burden, and it's all we ever think about, it's all we ever pray about, it keeps us so focused on that burden, well, no longer is it something good. It's become an idol. That's not what God wants for you either. He wants you to take that burden and surrender it to Him and release it to Him and then trust Him that you have followed what he instructed you to do, which was to raise your child to know and love the Lord. And that promise, it will come to pass. It may take a lot of time, but it will happen. Now, the deal with that is, guys, you, me, we can't fix that kind of broken. It's only by the Holy Spirit that that wayward son or daughter will come back to the Lord. So how do we deal with disappointment of unmet expectations? Now listen carefully. This is very important. Number one, we stay kingdom-minded. We remember, it's not about me. And number two, we stay eternally focused. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, we read that all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, and get this, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So a kingdom-minded person knows that God is working good even in the unseen. And eternal and an eternally focused person knows that this life is temporary, but it matters how we do life in the hardest times because our ultimate goal is to bring Jesus glory. Um, Now, I know y'all might have been a little concerned about me being long-winded today, but what I want us to do, we're actually coming to the end of this, is I just want us to reflect for a minute. I just want you to ask yourself, have you placed unmet expectations on yourself that has caused you some shame? Or have you allowed some unmet expectations of others to cause you an offense or maybe if you're honest are you upset with God because he didn't handle a situation the way you thought he should I dare say that there's a lot of us in here today that could fall into one of those three categories if not all three I personally have walked through all three of those 
And sometimes we overcome and sometimes we fail. But when we do, we get up and start again. So what I want us to do, I'm going to pray and then um, Alan's going to come. And when I finish praying, I'm going to turn it over to him to um, take us to the end of our service today. Okay? So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray. Father God, again, I just want to say how good and merciful and kind and generous and wonderful that you are. Lord, I stand here this morning as a mom who has made many mistakes. And God, I just pray that you will use my mistakes for your glory. Lord, I pray that today that um, if there's anyone in this room, God, that is feeling shame or guilt over not living up to expectations that they placed on themselves, God, that you will reveal that to them and that they will lay that today at your feet and surrender it completely and fully and know, God, that you love them. Lord, that you are there for them to give them wisdom, to give them courage and strength. God, if there's anyone here today who has placed unmet expectations on others and now there's been an offense or there's some hurt, Lord, that you will help us to forgive and not just say the words forgive, but to truly release those people in our lives, Lord, that have caused that hurt with no expectations from you for anything other than just to release them of all guilt. And Lord, for us today that have felt like you didn't live up to our expectations. Lord, forgive us. God, we repent. Lord, we lay that down right now. Lord, we pick up and remember that you are a good, holy God and that you want to use each of us and our stories for your kingdom. Lord, that whatever the past, the present may look like, that our future is in your hands and we can trust you completely and fully always and forever. Lord, I love you today. I praise you. I give you honor and I give you glory in Jesus' name.